Hello everyone and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford and I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas and it is a great privilege to be able to reach out to you on this beautiful Wednesday and to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know that there are a lot of things that are going on in our country right now. seems that um, the enemy has tried to keep everyone off balance since the very beginning of the year. But without saying anything one way or another about what is going on right now in the, the unrest that is ravaging so many of our cities and our communities, uh, I will say this. Jesus Christ is Lord. We as saints have a great mission and a tremendous responsibility. And um, in eternity, when, when, if we even look back on this time, we'll recognize that the most important thing we can do is to keep focused on our Lord. And yes, I have made a number of statements over the past few days concerning how absolutely egregious the actions of that officer in Minnesota was toward George Floyd. I don't need to turn this broadcast into another socio-political opinion fest. Uh, we believe that God is going to turn this for the good. But again, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as saints, our eternal mission. And all the things that we're believing for will be. That's the word of the Lord. And... Um, I'll say this too. I mean, we are we are entering into increasingly now the the times that the Bible classifies as the end. I mean, I think we've already been preparing for it and praying and and experiencing a number of things that are just unimaginable in the history of mankind. And we as saints better learn how to stand strong. And keep our um, keep ourselves moving in the um, in the in the things that God has called us to do, and um, because if we don't, every distraction and there'll be some bigger ones than what we've been facing in the past few months. Whatever whatever comes should not be able to blow us off course, and a lot of that has to do with our mind and uh, how we perceive things, and what we devote ourselves to do and to be. You know, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And, um, you know, perfect love is that agape that connects us to what God's eternal mission is, and most importantly, to him who orchestrated that mission. And if we keep our hearts focused on that, <clears throat> fear will not be able to find a resting place in us. Sadly, there are a lot of voices in the world, and every one of them has some measure of significance. And I, I know I get in trouble for saying this because you know, I, I, I don't really know why, but people take umbrage at me saying what I'm going to say. Um, I'm not discounting any other ministry, but I'm saying that there's a lot of agendas out there right now, not the least of which is to stoke up uh, fidelity to their ministry or to increase their numbers of, um, of uh, listeners and constituents. And, um, you know, there's a sensationalistic measure to it. And um, a lot of it is geared toward doing those things and not necessarily toward delivering a pure word from God. And that's not a criticism. That's just an analysis of the way things usually go. And um, I just, um, I would just encourage you that instead of clamoring for every word that might be coming down the pike, that you keep yourself focused on what God has called you to be. He, does, he doesn't need to speak to you through 50 other voices. 
And at some point, we got to wrap our mantle around our head and trust him and hear from him. And I want, I want to tell you that fear will try to find its way into your heart and into your life, and you can become addicted to those kinds of, um, of negativities and thoughts that are not wholesome. And so you need to take heed to what you hear, Jesus said. So just be careful of that. And um, don't drink from every fountain. Be, be wary and under the direction of the Spirit. And um, limit the things that you allow to come into the gate of your ears or your eyes. Because your heart will register those things and you'll find yourself fearful, discouraged, perhaps going down trails you don't belong on. And um, I think that's, that's always the wisdom of God. Um, sitting in the seat of the scorner can be sitting in the seat of those who have other agendas or who simply are missing the mark. And um, so, so just be just be guarded over yourself. Take take responsibility for what you allow yourself to feel, and that would even go onto political circles. Um, I try not to read or view a lot of things that I know are jaded, and um, there are a lot of media outlets that are so one sided that you can't. Um, you can't trust much of anything they say. They have agendas. So don't get addicted to that either. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself um, guarded by the mission God has given you and by his kindness and his love. And that leads us to an episode that we mentioned yesterday in our Saints, um, uh, Saints Network broadcast. Um, on Tuesday, um, I, I, um, uh, I know that through, since that time, God has continually brought to my heart and my thinking the story of the two followers of Jesus who were on the road to Emmaus. And as I prayed about this and studied it quite a bit more, there are some really tremendous points of advice for us that we could really use and apply right now in our lives. Because this passage that is found in Luke chapter 24 and also briefly referenced in uh, the book of Mark um, is Mark 16. Um, this passage takes place at a time when, you know, the followers of Jesus were somewhat bewildered. They, um, their Lord had been crucified. And um, it, was, it was a time where they had to trust, either trust what he said or to give place to the moment and opinions of each other and the sorrow and the, the, the negative emotional vibes that do create atmospheres that are somewhat difficult to emerge from. We've got to guard ourselves so that we don't allow any of that to permeate our walk with God. And that's, that's a full-time job. And once you start doing this, you guard over yourself, it's not as hard, but it's almost like withdrawal. I've never had withdrawal symptoms. You know, I, I'm thankful for that. But if, if you try to, I have fasted a lot. And if, you, if you're used to doing something or eating something all the time and you start paring that away from your walk, well, you... Um, you may have a difficult time at first, but after a while, it becomes normative, and you, you are able to deal with it much better. And so, I, 
I think that if we begin to put into practice what we're going to see from our Lord Jesus and what he said to these two believers, uh, I think if we apply these principles, it's going to help us in any mo moment of, of questioning or any moment of challenge or any moment of transition. And um, I think it would be good for us to consider this passage now. It's found in Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, <laughs> that's a funny way to start. Two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs, or about seven miles. They talked together of all the things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus drew near. He drew near him himself. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, it's the only time we have reference of this guy, his name means revered father. He answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God, and all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women, women also of our company made us astonished, or existeme, which were early at the sepulcher, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. The day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass that as he, took, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking bread. What a story. I have some questions about this and some, some notable um observations concerning what words are actually used. And again, I think this is a picture of what we might encounter today uh, and in, in the days uh, over these past months when it seems like in the natural you don't know really what all God is doing. In the natural, you can't figure out why this is happening or that's happening. And in the natural, God has somewhat tabled you and the things that you were used to doing and being. These two guys, we don't know really who they are. They're not mentioned in other places in Scripture. There were the Big 12, that wasn't a football conference, which now had become the Big 11, since Judas had 
betrayed the Lord and killed himself. We know them. We know a few others that are mentioned, but there were dozens of those who were in the in the closer circle of Jesus' constituencies. And um, Cleopas and this other guy were obviously, they knew where the disciples were hanging out. They had been there when they heard the testimony of the women who came from the tomb. And my question is this, what in the world do you think possessed these two guys with all of this stuff that was happening when it was the third day and the women had just come back and said, we've, we know that Jesus has risen. We've met with the angels and, you know, we, why would these guys leave right then? See, that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, if you don't guard over your mind and your spirit, you will do things that don't make sense. And we have to watch ourselves. Now, Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, archaeologists haven't really been able to determine exactly where this is. Um, it, it, Emmaus comes from the Hebrew word, directly from a Hebrew word that means waters or, or ocean even. And um, it was probably a warm spring or some kind of a place that was um, known as a, um, a, a place of pools. Whether, whether or not these guys lived there or whether they thought, you know, we're going to walk this distance and we just want to get away. I don't know. We don't, we don't have their motive. It does not say that they lived there. And I, I, I don't know why they left. My question is why, why they left. Well, you know, I don't know why they were going to MAS, but I don't know why they chose to go right then, especially when they heard that the tomb was empty and the women brought such amazing report and they were existeme, astonished, existeme. They knew that there was something unusual spiritually about what they were hearing, and yet they took off. And as they're walking, um, Jesus comes to them. Now it says in verse 16, and this is a very important thing for us to discover. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their eyes were holden that they should not know him. This is the word kratale, which is from kratos. And what this says to me, now, you know, again, Mark chapter 16, verse 12, in a brief reference to this, says that he came in another form or morphe. What I'm saying to you is this. When we're in a time such as we're in, we, we may not, under the directive of the Father, the power of his throne, we may not be able to process things based upon the ways we were used to processing them. Now, there, there, there are times that God hides himself. There are times that God wants you to search him out. You know, the secret things belong to God, and we must search them out. That's our privilege as sons. And Jesus came. These guys were so wrapped up in their own diorama of thought that the Father, the Kratos of the throne, had impacted their ability to see, and the morphe of what Jesus had become because of the victory at the cross and the resurrection was beyond their ability to discern based upon what they had known. Now, we need to ask ourselves this. Some of the things that are troubling to a number of you can be resolved if you just stop trying to find what everybody else's opinions are and go before the Father. The hunger you have to know is probably being generated by the new day in God. 
And there is a new way that God is moving in this season. It's a transitional moment. And the throne of God is the only place you're going to have your eyes calibrated to be able to understand the things that you're perceiving. Do you see this? It's very interesting that their eyes were holden and that it uses this term krateo. It does not mean that God did not want them to see. It means that God had purposely brought them into a scenario that if they would have sought him, they would have understand. You think about this. They were disciples of some, of some reputation. They, they were flowing in and out with all the other main disciples that, we're know, that we know of. They knew Jesus. They had heard the prophecies. They had heard the witness of the women that came. They recognized it as an existeme, that there was something unusually powerful about this. But yet, they did not pursue that to the degree that they gained understanding. And here is Jesus himself talking with them. Later on, it says that their heart burned within them and that um, they knew something was up, but yet it, it, it's just, it's an amazing thing to me. Now, they could have known the Lord and seen him, and we're going to, they eventually do, but we've got to guard ourselves that we don't let circumstances, we don't let fears, we don't let our own um, misconceptions, we don't let the opinions of everybody else and the atmosphere of gloom and doom that is there uh, to, to keep us from pursuing the Father and having our eyes opened by commune with Him. Do you see this? Rather unusual choice of words that their eyes were holden it does not mean that God prohibited them from seeing but it invited them to the throne of God to gain insight. Now, they, um, they're talking to Jesus, and then Jesus says something that seems off the charts <laughs> for what we think Jesus says. Um, after they regaled all the things that they were perceiving, he said in verse 25, You fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, fools there is enoetos, and it means to be unintelligent, but it basically means that you have shut your mind off from seeing the truth. And a derivative of this was used when later on in this story the Bible says their eyes were open and there it is anoigo but uh, dianoigo excuse me which means that suddenly they were able to perceive things in its panorama but Jesus clearly says and not in a very pleasant way he calls them fools unintelligent people who have caused their minds to be shut off by their own devices. And slow of heart to believe, this is interesting because it's Bradis. And, you know, I saw it, I thought Tom Brady, and we'll see how he does with his new offensive line down in Tampa. He's not the fastest, most mobile quarterback in the world, but I thought of all names to be called slow, Brady, so Bradis is what's there. That's just for you football fans and especially for those of you in Tampa. So they're slow of heart to believe. They're fools and slow of heart to believe. And our risen Lord called them that. I wonder what that says about us. I wonder what he's saying to us. I wonder what he would say to us if he was walking along the road with us right now and we're telling him about all these things that are happening and all these terrible scenarios. We just don't know what God is up to. This person over here is talking about, oh, how destructive the world's becoming. And this person over here, and, and off they go. 
I, I'm, I can imagine Jesus would say, you fools and slow of heart to believe. And then he starts going through the scripture, the Moses and the prophets. I think it's also interesting that he was saying to them, those scriptures should have been a mainstay for you. The scriptures should be something that you are established in. And in a world today where so much of the church is discrediting the scripture and really saying, you know, we don't believe in the validity of the scripture. We don't believe in um, how it was transcribed. We think there are a lot of errors. We question the anointed capacity of it, the inspired nature of it. In fact, we also think that there are other voices that are equal to or better than Scripture. In a world where that is a mantra of so many unwise people, Jesus starts going down through the Scriptures. And he starts talking about Moses, and he talks about the prophets. And one thing he didn't say, he didn't, according to what the Scripture says here, he didn't quote any of the things that he taught. He didn't say to them, don't you remember when I told you that after three days uh, this temple would be raised? Um, even though we know that's the scripture, that's the words of God, for them, the, 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 the cardinal truth was the word that they had. Jesus starts going down through them and um, because they didn't, he called them unintelligent and intellectual slowpokes. <laughs> Woo! I know that blows the caveat of what some of you think Jesus says. I mean, the Lord is loving. He's wonderful. But there are times where he just needs to say things to me and to you that are maybe not as flowery and Mona Lisa grin-like. Um, you know, in our world today, we think that God is just so much love that he never rebukes anybody. He never says anything that would challenge anybody. Just anything goes with God. Well, tell that to these disciples who obviously were men of renown and the Lord Jesus himself calls him fools and and brands their hearts as be slow as slow as molasses on a cold main morning I threw that in there just for effect um how dare Jesus say something like that you know he could have crushed their pure psyche he could have triggered them and all kinds of things doesn't he know that Cleopas had a hard upbringing, and one of the things his father said to him was, "You're just, you're just not going to amount to anything." And here's Jesus. Oh, this poor Cleopas. It's a good thing he's going to the warm springs. He needs to find a secret place and just rebound from it. Sometimes we need to just be told what's what, and God is doing that. He's been doing that in this season. And I'm grateful for it because God has a way of reproving, rebuking, and exhorting us toward, and every son that he loves, he chastens. And if you have to apologize for every challenging thing you may say to somebody because you don't want to, you don't want to cause them to go into a, a, a tizzy spin and, um, you know, you may trigger some emotional problem in them and, you know, they'll report you and you'll be called before the advisory board and maybe subjected to some kind of training so you can be a little more sensitive. I'm glad these boys didn't have the, the gumption to say that to the Lord. You fools and slow of heart to believe. So many things here speak about the day we're in. But I'm telling you this. We need to go before the Father, spend time before Him, allow our eyes to be anointed, as it says in the book of Revelation, with oil, so that we can see 
and that we would not be um, hindered in our perspective because we've simply not spent time before the throne of God, not belaboring him with a bunch of doofus questions. God, why are you making this happen? I just don't understand. You've just abandoned me. Blah, 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 blah. That's what people think sometimes a prayer meeting is. And um, you regard iniquity in your heart. Scripture says the Lord will not hear you. So make sure when you're before the throne, you're not spewing iniquity, which is the twisted purpose, which is you using your capacities for things other than what God has called you to be. And so these men did not recognize. First of all, they left Jerusalem, which I still find that very difficult to believe. Well, maybe they had an appointment in the morning. I don't think so. Um, I think I, I think that they had been in Jerusalem. They had been with Jesus. They had seen the crucifixion. They had waited there. I think appointments were out the window at that, at that time. They also... Um, rejected the the word that came uh, from the the women at that point who were at the tomb and they left anyway that amazes me that's just that's just goofy and then Jesus is there <clears throat> he is appearing in a new way but they, because they had not been in the right kind of prayer, they didn't have the illumination of the Father to recognize what, who he was and what was really happening. Their hearts were also burning within them as he walked and talked with them and as he shared the Scripture. They should have been in the Scripture. Now, I'm not coming down hard on him. What I'm saying is this. We need to be careful that we don't do these same idiotic things. You know, I learned this. I've said this before. I was the baby of the family, and uh, there were five kids in my family, and there was a wide span of age between us. And one of the things I learned early on was how to be the baby in the family. And uh, sometimes when I see other babies in the family, I, I can call their tricks right there. They may not like it, but I do anyway. Because I know them. I've stood behind that door myself. And, um, but I also learned, I watched what happened with my brothers and sisters, and I thought, okay, they did this, and they did that, and because they did this and that, they were reproved, they, were, they got a licking, they were restricted. And so I'm going to learn and not do those things. Or at least find a way, I'm speaking as a baby in the family, to do them in a way unlike what my older siblings did, and maybe I can get away with it, and I did most times. So we've got to be able to see these fellows and say, well, Jesus called them fools and slow to believe. They did this, they did this, they did this, they didn't do this. And because of all of that, they were really missing out. And so we've got to see this so that we don't, God forbid, fall into the same trap in the days that we're living in or in the days that will be coming. So Jesus goes through the scripture and um, they come to the town and these guys say, hey, it's Inning evening, why don't you come and stay with us in the night, eat? And so he comes in with them and he eats. And when he takes the bread and he blessed it and he broke it, immediately their eyes were opened. And there's that word, dianoigo, that I mentioned earlier. And uh, they said, when they saw Jesus for who he was and he vanished out of their sight, and then, then, then they said, you know, hey, you know, our hearts burned within us. And as he walked with us and he read the scriptures, he said that. And they said that. And then they took off and went back to Jerusalem. And when they get to the place where the disciples were, they hear that Peter had also seen the Lord. 
and uh, then they regaled what they had experienced. And immediately following, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace. My mission is completed. Your faith is being affirmed. And um, they were terrified and affrighted. Suppose that they had seen a spirit. Now, I'm sure that Peter wasn't. And I'm sure that Cleopas and his traveling buddy weren't, wasn't. I'm sure that the women weren't because they had seen the Lord. But these others were still, their eyes were curtail. They were slow of heart to believe. And the same terrified and affrighted comes upon them. And he says, why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts such as these? Again, thoughts. This is amazing to me. Now, back in Emmaus, when Jesus blessed the bread and broke it, that's when their eyes were open. Now, some would say, oh, that's because they immediately put two and two together and remembered that Jesus had done this at the Last Supper and um, that perhaps they'd seen him do this before when he broke the bread and the feeding of the thousands. And that could well be. But I also remind that the breaking of the bread represents a number of things. It is the body of Christ. It is commune with the Father. That's what the bread is. It's, It's not reliant on yesterday's victories, or um, there's no there's no leaven in it. It's got to be fresh and it's got to be for the moment. The breaking is, as we've studied, akin to when Moses divided the lots to the people for their inheritance, and um, so all of that goes on here when Jesus is blessing and breaking the bread. And perhaps these gentlemen suddenly came together that, hey, yeah, this is what we're really called to do. All of that's not lost. In fact, it's just beginning. And that realization caused their eyes to be open. Remember now, this was, Crateo was holding their eyes. And secondly, they were fools to that point where their minds were not receiving and thinking properly. And so when their eyes were opened, it's from that word that suddenly they saw things clearly, but the word of the Father and the, um, the commission of what they were supposed to be and the realization and remembrance of that, should I say remembrance and realization of that, uh, is what caused their eyes to be open. Do we need that today? I think we do. I think that every day we should be going before the Lord in prayer, confidently, knowing that our Father is in control. We need to be remembering what the Scriptures have taught us, and we need to be remembering what God has prophesied to us, what He's told us. You build your doctrine on the Scripture, but prophecy should be um, girded up with the Scripture and judged by the Scripture. And so if prophecy has had that uh, treatment, then you can rely on it, but you don't build doctrines on it. You spend time with the Father, and He gives you insights. He gives you perspective. And then at least, even though you may not understand everything, you have a framework wherein you can stand. And a lot of times when fear has come against me in the past months or challenges have arisen or just plain, Lord, why did this happen? Um, I've had to rely on these things. I go before the Father. I don't bellyache. I remember what he promised. I remember the scriptures. And I have to do those things. 
It's a regimen. I have to do them. You say, Pastor, do you you deal with these things? Well, every human does. You know, it's no sin to say, ouch, if you're slapped. It's no sin to, to recoil a bit when something comes against you, especially if you weren't seeing it. It's what you, uh, you weren't, especially if you weren't um, anticipating it. But, you know, the, the scenario for us is we've got we've to be better than emotional wrecks. We've got to be better than <clears throat> people that are blown about by every wind. And we've got to judge all things according to our relationship with the Father, our trust in Jesus, our knowledge of his scripture, our recognition of our identity in him, and what he's prophesied. We, we've got to let that be our sustenance. Because if you let other things do it, your eyes are going to be holden, you're going to be affrighted, you're going to make ridiculous decisions, and you're, you're just going to be perplexed. And guess what the Lord is going to say to you? Probably not. Oh, you poor thing. Fools and slow of heart to believe. I don't want, I don't want him saying that to us. I don't want him saying that to you. I sure don't want him saying that to me. I, I know that this season back from the COVID scenario to now this, again, outrageous action by a Minnesota police officer and his entourage and the unrest that's come. You know, again, I don't want to go too far down this trail, um, but I think that every American was outraged when we saw that video. We didn't need a protest to say, that's disgusting. That should never happen. And I, I, th I don't have problem with people standing in solidarity that, the, that bad apples be weeded out and that any systemic challenges be, um, be put away. One of the things I'm grateful for here in Dallas is that our mayor is an African-American man and our chief of police is an African-American woman. So those two fail-safes, that could judge our city are gone. But I don't personally like being branded because I'm white as some racist. And I, I understand the scenario, but I think when you go off on the other direction and you start throwing every baby out with the bathwater and what shouldn't be in the bathwater, it freezes conversation. And it freezes the, the, the ability to really discern what's at risk there and what really should be done. And God help us, looting does nothing to help that. Burning buildings and shooting up police officers or throwing things at, at cops uh, is, is, is not good. I mean, even in a family scenario, you know, I never had this in, in my, my current home and I'm grateful for that because, you know, I remember that when I was a kid, my dad was a good man, but sometimes he didn't understand how to deal with things and he would, he would erupt. And then there was turmoil and my brother, my younger brother would act out and we weren't going to get anything done in the middle of that, you know, the grievances and outrages and actions that were harmful, none of those things were helping to correct the scenario. And usually what happened was such a thing would happen. Everybody would be appalled by it. People wouldn't say anything. My dad would disappear for a while. And then the next day it would be like nothing happened and waiting for the next time. So chaos and acting out I understand the feeling that you should you want to express. But the point is, though, that 
It doesn't really solve the problem. In fact, it acerbates the problem. Exacerbates the problem, excuse me. Maybe acerbate too. Is that a word? Exacerbate. So, um, and I, you know, I think that, I think that we as Christians need to be praying for in this society today that the truth, that, that calmer heads will prevail and that voices on every side will come to solutions. But, you know, you know, I know that there's there are people that would say, see there, see that action that's going on right now. That's why police are the way they are. And to a degree, you know, anybody seeing that? Well, I can't say anybody seeing what we see on Fifth Avenue and on, you know, in various parts of, of our country. Nobody likes that except for a few knuckleheads that really uh, are just trying to foment things because it keeps the ratings up. But we need to be praying for solutions, and I think we're well on the way to that. And as terrible and as regrettable as what we saw last week was, um, it was just universal. The outrage on both sides of the aisle and in, in most communities, the outrage that such a thing would happen. And, I mean, that would have been a building block to, to say, okay, this is what we need to do. I pray we get back to that. I pray that God will rise and turn this situation to the good. And, um, and I, I pray that the work of the saints and what our identity is will go forward. And that, you know, whether it's the COVID issue or whether it's this situation, what comes next? Uh, economic uh, upheaval? Uh, listen, we're in election year. Remember what happened in 2016 in the summer? Dear God, that was chaos, and Trump wasn't even elected yet, so you can't really blame it on him. So who's blaming it on anybody? We should just be ready and stand clearly on behalf of what our Father is doing because in eternity and in this reality, that's the only thing that matters. I spend my time praying uh many times a day for our various outposts of saints and for each of you. Well, if I don't know you and you're tuned in today, maybe my prayer and diversities of tongues mentioned you. Maybe that's why you're here. But I, I just want our saints nation to move forward and to accomplish the things that Father wants. And, and again, like we said on Saints Radio yesterday, you know, when we have, over the past couple of years, moved forward with trying to develop new things and establishing new policies, it, it shouldn't surprise you that a, that a strong, of a very large percentage of the voices that are not only formulating these positions and teaching them and moving forward are African Americans. So, I mean... I, I'm grateful for that. You know, I, I spoke to my brother Robert Fulton not long ago. I need to call him just to make sure he doesn't have some new Nike Airs or something of that nature, but I'm going to call him. And we're just brothers, and I love Robert. I mean, he's, he's a great, great guy, and we cherish him as a member of all of our family. So... I don't really, I'm, I'm really not aware of racial sentiment in our Saints network. And when you go overseas, it's just, I'm not saying that it's removed, but there's not the vestige of slavery, the history of slavery in a lot of these places. You go to Brazil, you go to France, you go to any other numbers of nations, and it's, it's like, you know, we just had, we had a wonderful miracle that happened in the past couple of years. And we put it up online. Remember the miracle baby, uh, Janice and Robin, uh, an interracial couple there in Luxembourg, precious young people. And, you know, they're like our kids. God gave them a miracle. They brought that baby. We dedicated that baby there at the uh, last year's seminar in France. You saw it. So uh, for our network, 
Um, yes, we need to be aware of things, but I don't really perceive color barriers or racial barriers uh, across our network. And if I did see it, I would speak about it. The closest thing that we encountered with this was there were a couple of pastors. It was a pastor and his associate pastor who came to one of our seminars many years ago. And they seemed to be good guys. The end of the seminar, they wanted a meeting with me, and they just went off on me because I had so many women in ministry. And they said it's not biblical. So we looked at the Scripture, and we looked at a lot of different things. And I told them, I said, well, look, if we ever came to your church, chances are some of the people that are going to be teaching are women. So I guess that's that's a... Uh, that's a that's a it's off the table we never saw him again i never had anybody that ever made any statement that said oh we don't like the fact that you have other racial contingents up teaching or preaching or ministering i never heard that once never maybe they whispered it but i i know that if somebody is that much of a backwoods ninny that they would have come to me and complained I remember, uh, I mentioned this yesterday, being up in State College where the University of Pennsylvania is, or, or you know, Penn State. I know I, I, I'm from there, so I know the difference between University of Pennsylvania and Penn State. But uh, our brother Rick Ranney, um, African-American brother, he and his family, precious friends of ours, uh, we, we ministered with them in a number of ways. And then um, we came to his church and... Um, Pastor McKenzie and his precious wife, um, we ministered there. It's just an African-American con congregation with a lot of white students mixed in and some, you know, really good people. And there was one guy at the end of my Sunday morning sermon who really got in the pastor's face that here this white boy was here preaching and saying things that, you know, about God being able to heal and unite us. And he didn't know their experience. And I remember... Pastor Durleen came up and Pastor McKenzie and Rick, and they were all talking to this brother. And, you know, I walked over and hugged this man. We'd had lots of wonderful conversations. So I think it flows both ways. But we who, who know the truth need to walk in that truth and demonstrate it. And, and if anybody in our network doesn't see me doing that, I want you to tell me. I mean, I'm not an ogre. I'm not going to cuss you out. I'm not going to put you on the blacklist. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to, what's a good word? I'm not going to put you on a, on a list that says I'm not going to have fellowship with them anymore. We were blacklisted by our former movement. I still have the letter. I look at it every now and then. It's a form letter. Um, but that's a funny term. But anyway, um, if, if it ever came to the point where I saw that, I would call it out immediately. I wouldn't pussyfoot around it. And, uh, you know, we love one another. Hey, look, there's so few of us saints. I don't care if you're chartreuse with pink polka dots. If you're doing the work of the Father and you're praying, you know, you're a brother or a sister to us. And we we need one another. So I think that whether it's the the plague or whether it's this current social unrest we as saints need to apply these lessons that the, the dudes on the road to Emmaus provide for us and we need to be focused on what our mission is from the father and we need to be before the father and we need to let him direct our eyes and we need to remember the scripture and remember the prophetic words that have gone on before us. And we need to treasure those moments of divine encounter, those existemi moments, and know that they are gifts from God that, well, you know, we're not going to have them every morning. I don't care who you are. It's kind of like, oh, that pill helped me yesterday, so how about if I take one every hour? Man, how great I'll be. You'll overdose, and it'll render that medicine Unaffective for you or ineffective. Boy, I'm really butch. I'm going to have some more tea here. Is unaffective a word? Ineffective. What's in your cup?
Earl Grey Supreme in my Blue Yeti. So let's let's go through this passage. Let's make sure that we are applying everything that we see here so that we can be before God no matter what society's thinking, no matter what our emotions may be saying, no matter what atmospheres might be impressing upon us, no matter what our brothers and sisters might be wrongfully casting toward us, let's stay focused in the Lord. And um, I don't want to be foolish, and I don't want to be slow of heart to believe. I want my eyes, I want my eyes wide open all the time. So, um, I speak blessing over all of you, and I continue to declare the blood of Jesus over you, your household, and everything that you are in God. And I pray that God will mightily, mightily bless you in this season. And I declare the goodness of God. Let our eyes be open and let us see Jesus and let us walk with him in this hour. Heal our nation, Father. Let us emerge from this quickly. And may this plague be gone, both in the natural and in the area of racial inequality. May the plague of that be purged by the power of the Spirit. And let cooler heads prevail and let voices of wisdom and reason speak. And may lasting change come. And Father, I also declare that where the enemy is trying to foment and stir up rebellion and uh, destruction of system, uh, of, of positive systems, let them be put to flight now by the power of the Spirit. And Father, let this be an opening for the visitation of that wonderful stirring, that move of your Spirit that you've prophesied for these end days. We should be praying about that too, and we do. So we ask all of these things in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen. Well, I've got a couple of announcements for you. We're still at 57 minutes, so I can just take my time and speak very slowly. <laughs> uh, here at the Father's Church in Dallas, we will be having Sunday morning service this week. I'll be sending an email out to our church members with suggestions, not only suggestions, things I really need you to do if you plan to come to service Sunday morning. Sunday school will be at 9 o'clock in the sanctuary. And then we'll have a bit of a break and we'll have morning, uh, the worship time, and uh, then we'll have the sermon. Um, if you usually pray during the 9 o'clock hour, go to Peace Chapel, go to the youth room, go to the chambers, pray there. Uh, I think it's just best for us to be all in a bigger room and so we can spread out, and then we don't have to transition. We can just be there, okay? So I'll be sending an email to you, and, you know, we're not saying that everybody has to come. Listen, I'm not saying be fearful, but I know some of you are older, and some of you have some of the, you've, you've battled over the years with conditions that are seemingly are, are susceptible to this goofy virus, so don't you know, I'm believing God's protecting you, and he has been protecting you. But don't, you know, don't step out of your measure of, uh, of confidence. We will be broadcasting live, just as we have been. Now, if any of you have a cold or a respiratory scenario, or you have a fever, or you have a headache that's, that's accompanying those, Please don't come because that it, it, it's not that it's putting everybody at risk. It just it, it just it, it just even in better times, if somebody is sneezing and blowing their nose all through the service, you, you wouldn't believe from my perspective how many people just forget what I'm saying and just stare over at that person, not in ridicule. So just use some common sense. And um, bless your brothers and sisters in that way. Now, we'll be gradually doing some further expansions, maybe some new things over the weeks to come. Um, we'll be doing some different things with our Facebook offerings as the weeks go by. And um, 
you know, I'm going to start up an, a new um, vignette series. We did the Valley series. I'm going to start doing it about the blood of Jesus. In fact, I may start it tomorrow, Thursday. Um, so look for that tomorrow morning, Thursday, and Saturday. We'll do it that way. Monday, probably there'll be another type of thing offered from people in the network. So you've got that. You've got Saints Radio on Tuesday. You've got Wednesday Night Live on Wednesday. The only day you'll have off is Friday. I don't know what you'll do with yourself. But um, for those of you who say there's just so much I can't keep up, maybe that's a time for you to go back and listen to something on archives. Amen? All right. Well, God bless you all. We sure miss you. We we're praying for you. But put these things into practice that we saw from Luke 24 and Mark 16. And I know it will be pleasing to the Lord. God bless you. And um, be well. Much love. Goodbye.